Hi. Welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Darren Hamill. He's with uh, Princeton Power, and they're currently working in the uh, space of vehicle-to-grid uh, energy systems, and that's essentially uh, harnessing the power of uh, electric vehicles uh, for the grid. But I'll let Darren talk more about that. He's the guest, in fact. Uh, welcome to the show, Darren. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Um, as my audience knows, I'm very big on the smart grid. And also, in order to have a good smart grid, you need uh, grid stability and stiffening. And one of the good sources are uh, electric cars, isn't it? Aren't yeah, they? absolutely. The um, you know batteries are, are kind of known as, as sort of the holy grail of, of stiffening the grid and, and doing a lot of good things for the grid. And uh, electric cars can really be thought of as batteries on wheels. So, there's, you know, technologies that are involved to be able to, to use the cars in that way. But um, as those come to being, there's, there's a whole lot you can do with these kind of batteries on wheels at the edge of the grid. Mm, excellent. Wait, why don't you give us, like, say, the top three, and then we'll dive a little bit into the, each one of them uh, after you've listed them. Yeah, sure. So the first one that comes to mind to a lot of people is backup power. So imagine you could drive your car into your garage. The power goes out. You've got a, a big battery in the garage that can keep the lights on, keep the fridge running. Uh, in, in a lot of cases for, you know, a couple of days or at least 8 to 10 hours or so, which would kind of cover most of the, the blackouts that we see, at least here in the U.S., uh, so that that's kind of one good example. Um, a second one is helping with integration of renewable energy. So solar energy, wind energy, um, the term they use is intermittent. You know, the, the sun is only, only able to generate power when the sun is shining, uh, and it mm -hmm. can kind of not be a, a really smooth uh, energy generator. So with batteries, you can smooth some of that out, kind of smooth out the, uh, the peaks and valleys of generation. Uh, and then the third one that we talk about a lot is um, managing peak demand. So on an electric bill, you're, you're charged for both the energy you use, but also the maximum amount of power that, that you consume. So there are ways you can use batteries, basically charge them at night, discharge them during the day to kind of shave and reduce that peak demand that you normally see during the day. Got it. Now, for each of those app spaces, I would imagine that would require a slightly different management electronics and um, almost a design approach, or is it that they can be all integrated seamlessly to serve all, all masters equally? Yeah, well, yeah, the, the key is in the batteries in the car. So the, the number one priority is obviously make it a, uh, a good car that drives well, has the range that people want. Um, but once you have the battery and then you add uh, what we call a fast charging uh, station. So most electric cars you can plug into any wall socket and they'll charge, but it's not very fast and it would be hard to get much value out of the battery that way. But if you add a fast charging station, which can be maybe a power level of 10 kilowatts or higher, uh, you're mm -hmm. able to extract a lot more from the battery and charge the battery a lot faster. Once you have that block, that component in place, um, that becomes sort of the control hub for each of these applications. So there's some intelligence that has to go on top of that, basically software, but those are really the hardware pieces that you need for uh, all three of the applications that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what are the biggest challenges you see to that being adopted? I mean, beyond 
the, the pressures because if it's an individual's vehicle, there might be questions of ownership. But in the case of a fleet and an organization or something, there isn't. So let's sidestep the, the legality aspect on that side. What are the, the primary technical challenges that you see? Yeah, so one major one is getting the car companies comfortable with how the batteries are being used and, and ultimately providing warranties for those uses. The, the car companies right now are not saying, no, you definitely can't use the car battery in this way, but they are saying, we're not quite sure exactly how these batteries are going to be used, so we can't provide a, you know, a blanket warranty for, for those different applications. So it, there's progress being made, but kind of just getting both the car companies and the consumers comfortable that that battery pack uh, will maintain its warranty is really important. Um, there are cost implications, obviously. These, these fast charging stations are more expensive than a typical wall plug. Um, as volumes go up and these get deployed, you know, in more volume, they will definitely come down in price. But today, it, it, it really is sort of an early adopter market. Um, and I think the third major challenge is, and you kind of touched on this, uh, commenting on, you know, fleet vehicle ownership versus individuals, is the kind of master controller. You know, if these cars are able to provide smoothing for renewables or peak demand shaving, uh, some kind of intelligence has to be run to, to know when to operate them and to really extract that value. And the, the electrical system, there's a lot of stakeholders with electric utilities, the car owner, uh, grid operators. So there has to be sort of an oversight that, that's kind of coordinating all these thousands of vehicles that will be out there um, and kind of making sure that they're all operating in unison. So there's some work that needs to be done there as well. Got it, got it. That makes all the sense in the world. Um, now, how does Princeton Power get involved? So we, uh, we're a manufacturer of these fast charging stations, and we work very closely with several of the, the major OEMs that have electric vehicles uh, in North America. So we have some partnerships with those guys. We've developed um, a set of, of hardware that can be used to kind of provide these functions, uh, and we've also started doing a number of pilot projects uh, throughout the U.S. where we're putting, say, 10 vehicles or 15 vehicles uh, matched with these fast charging stations and then kind of trying them out, running them, seeing you know, what the effects are on the range of the car, uh, what the effects are on the users, the guys that, that have to plug the cars in and charge them, um, and kind of seeing if we can extract that value that, that we think is there when we run these these things. So we've got a couple of pilot projects going. The, the most notable one is out at uh, the L.A. Air Force Base. It's a uh, Department of Defense uh, fleet vehicle application, so it's about 15 uh, Nissan Leafs with fast charging mm -hmm. stations that, that run on the base. So that just got installed, uh, well, it was installed a while ago, but the official ribbon cutting was just a few weeks ago. So starting to get a little bit of attention, I think, um, in particular the fact that it's the Department of Defense kind of picking up on electric vehicles has, you know, made some waves in the community. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 and frankly, I'd rather that they were Chevy Volts, but I'm not going to be uh, – um, it just, only because it was the DOD. I mean, anybody can buy whatever vehicle they choose. And do you call them Leafs or Leaves? I always wondered about that. Oh, well. <laughs> That's but, a good question, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, question, the other question I have is, is the connector issue finally dead and gone, or is there still hassle about that? You know, it's, um, 
I'd say it's not dead and gone quite yet. the The problem is that you've got the um, the brand, the new connector, the SAE, you know, kind of North American, European style connector. Everybody seems to agree that 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 will be adopted in the future by everybody. But we're mm-hmm. still dealing with the fact that um, that the Nissan Leaf, you know, the leaves out there have been by far the most widely adopted uh, EV model, and those all use the the Chatmo standard that came over from Japan. So, you know, if you're if you're trying to install infrastructure in terms of charging stations, the biggest market today is to serve those leaves with the Chatmo connector versus the future market that everybody agrees will be SAE-based, but there's just not quite as many vehicles out there yet. So it's sorting itself out, and um, it'll probably take a couple of years, though. <laughs> well, so I, and um, I'm sorry to hear that, because I think that will in and of itself provide resistance that the industry does not need among the adoption because then there will be people saying, well, like, why should I get it? My, you know, that car won't fit the connectors. And, you know, it, we really need to have a universal international plug standard and we need one soon. Right. Yep. Totally agreed. And, and it's only hurting everybody to not have that. So a lot of people are working on it. You know, there are ways, obviously any of these cars can plug into to a normal wall socket. And then new charging right. stations will will generally have both kinds of connectors. So you won't be high and dry at a, at a parking spot, you know, without your connector. But, you know, it's just additional cost to be supporting two of those standards. Well, and actually where I was going with that was more that adds cost to the people like you. <clears throat> Pardon me. That yeah, adds cost no, to people right. like you because that's a lot of copper. And so, you know, then that's also a, a, a precision plastic machining process, I mean, molding process. And, you know, by the time you add another connector, you, you've just tacked on another $500 of uh, cost to the uh, charging station. Yeah, absolutely, at least, you know. And, and if we're striving to get volumes up, you really want to be making the same thing, not, not a couple different models. Exactly. And so it's that kind of thing. I mean, I recognize you can have a connect, you can have a charging station with 20 different connectors to satisfy like a, like a cell phone charging station today, which is just as inane as a, a charging station with 20 different connectors. You know, I recognize that there need to be a good connector standards. The problems that the Europeans are going to have with USB 3 after mandating micro uh, USB for the uh, cell phones, I mean, is an obvious example there. But the bottom line is, yeah, I agree with you. We do need to get these things on a, at least on a relatively level playing field. Yeah, yeah. How how nice would it be if we could charge the cars on USB? <laughs> well, that would be a big connector. But <laughs> <laughs> but then again, uh, wireless charging could leapfrog all of this because of just the convenience factor. Yeah, it's possible. There's definitely, you know, some um, obviously expense and kind of development issues there as well. But yeah, that's um, that that's another possibility for sure. You know, and so that's a, a lot to uh, see out there. Which actually leads me to the last bit because I'd love to talk forever, but this is a podcast and we need to close it eventually. But I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word in my podcast. So uh, it could be a little bit more about the technology, a little bit about Princeton Power, or just a tip for the audience, but the floor is yours. Oh, sure. Well, thank you very much. You know, I I think I'm really excited about this technology. Um, 
people, a lot of the questions are about, you know, what's the real value that V2G is going to provide? And, and I think there is a lot of real value, but to me it's more about once we have these batteries out there, once we unlock the ability to use these things as batteries on wheels, and as the cost comes down and, and more and more cars get out there, I think people are going to find their own applications for these, and, and it's more about giving them the tools and then kind of seeing what happens. So I'm pretty excited. I think the next few years we're just going to see a lot more of this happening and, and probably can't even predict all the cool things people will do with them. I agree with you completely, Darren. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Excellent. Thank you very much. Our pleasure is mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us because we wouldn't be here without you. So tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul's on Power. Have a great day.